You are killing me, Seymour. Killing me a slow death with this idiot spy business. Mother, you don't understand. What is there to understand? I'm looking at my son, Seymour Goldfarb Jr., an heir to the Goldfarb girdle's fortune. And what is he doing? Walking around, acting like he was some goy movie star named Roger Moore. And for this, I sent you to the best schools. For this, I'm going broke, paying that Beverly Hills analyst. And now, <laughs> this. The sleep inmate sounded under your pillow this morning. What is the meaning of this? The meaning, Mother dear, is a quick death. I warned you not to interfere in my affairs. Seymour, put that away. It's liable to go off. I'm terribly sorry, Mother, but you know too much. You see, in my business, even the deepest family relationships aren't worth a farthing. Farthing, schmarthing. No. Zykazin, Mama. Why, where did I go wrong? You know something, Mama? You're too Jewish. And welcome to So What's the Problem, in which we rewatch movies from our youth to determine if they are problematic by today's standards. I'm Tisto. And I'm Jerry. And today we'll be discussing The Cannonball Run. And I've got that song stuck in my head. <laughs> which was released in the US on June 19th, 1981, in the UK and Ireland on August 14th, 1981. It was written by Brock Yates and directed by Hal Needham. It stars Burt Reynolds, Don DeLuise, Farrah Fawcett, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Adrian Barbeau, Jimmy Farr, Jackie Chan, and Roger Moore, among others. What's going to happen is this. Jimmy and I have thought of three problems each, as well as one positive. Actually, I have like 11 positives. But uh, <laughs> we'll have a discussion about them. I'm going to see a short synopsis, because we are doing this thing now. So, very short synopsis is it. A collection of people from all walks of life compete in a cross-country competition to win money, sabotaging each other along the way. That is true. Do you have any history with this movie? Do you remember when you first saw it? Blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't remember for sure when I first <laughs> saw it, but I probably saw it on HBO not very long after it came out in the 1980s when I was a teenager, so I was the right age for it and the right um, um, uh, maturity, <laughs> which is not very... Yeah, yeah, I saw it. I saw it on TV. Um, I don't think I've ever seen the uncut version of this movie because it was always shown during the day and it was always cut. Um, so I don't think I'd ever heard some of the language that goes on in this movie until Friday night. Um, so I'm watching the American DVD version. I didn't think there was very much language at all. Shit said it a few times. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking more about things like talking about gangbangs. Oh, and, yes, okay. Uh, we are racers, not rapists. Um, uh, yeah. And Goddamn camel jockey is very unfortunate. Um, yeah, yeah. All that stuff, uh, would be, would have been edited from the TV version that I saw on, especially if it was on in the afternoon. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't think I'd, I haven't seen this movie in decades. Uh, so, yeah. Um, 
So let's just jump straight into the problems then, Derek, and what's your first one? First of all, let me say, this film is a land of contrasts. There's a lot that is great about it, and there is plenty to dislike <laughs> if you're in the right mood. Yeah, I, I would um, actually argue on that first point. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I left quite a lot, even having seen it uh, not too many years ago. Um, so my first problem is that a, I think a stronger director would have ha- like chosen to take an extra take here and there. Yes. Uh, if I'm if I'm being a bit generous, uh, the acting is not always what you'd like it to be. There's a scene later on where Sammy Davis Jr. is on the phone, says the ring, and I just did it. He says the line wrong, and they just kept it in. Uh, I don't remember that line. What do you mean? Yeah, he's supposed to say. Will you shut up for a minute and listen to me? But he botches that line so badly. It's like, well, you should rather go listen to me. And it's like, okay, <laughs> that's yeah. They could have, they could have took a second take of that. And also, <sighs> Dean Martin. Yeah. Dean Martin's got a reputation for being sort of a lush. But I read that that wasn't actually true and it was all an act. I, I have also read that, yes. Yes. But, he is clearly drunk off his head in this movie the entire time. <laughs> he is he is terrible in this movie. He is so far gone in this movie. And some of his line delivery should have been redone. It's like how was that allowed? It's it's enabling this drunk man. <laughs> it's terrible. And he looks atrocious as well. He's got bags under his eyes. Even if he's pretending to be drunk. Yep. He's still supposed to be an attractive man enough to have all these ladies around about him. And he looks really bad. He looks he looks so bloated and his eyes are baggy and he looks like he's been drinking non stop during this movie. They had a good time in the film, uh, in the middle of the film. <laughs> he's getting up there though. Was he he was probably in his sixties at this point at least, right? Yeah. But I mean, I haven't seen the second one. I've seen it years ago on TV, but, and I watched a little bit last night, um, and it's the exact same fucking song playing during the opening credits in the second movie than it is in the first movie, and it's the same, basically the same thing, just like chasing the car roundabout, with two women in it, it's just two different yeah, he, women. Oh, right, yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, he's but, 64 years old in this film, by the way. Yeah, but he's still, I don't know, it's just that scene where he's sitting there and he's talking to the, all these ladies, and all these ladies are supposed to be fatuated with him and standing around about him, and he looks bloated and gross, and it's just really quite sort of off-putting. And I feel bad watching it because it's like, why, why couldn't they have told him to just sort of lay off the sauce? <laughs> it's, and even if he's putting on an act, why would they make him up to look like that? And oh, I don't know. Anyway, the, yeah, more takes were needed. More okay. direct, better direction was needed in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Hal Needham film, mm-hmm. and uh, he did uh, a lot of car movies. He did uh, the uh, Smoking the Bandit movies and and stuff like that. And his strong suit was the the automotive stunts, not the acting. Exactly. But when you've got a bunch of, I mean, there are some people in this movie who knock it out the fucking park. And by some people, I mean Roger Moore. I think Roger oh. Moore is amazing in this movie. Oh. Yes, I think he Roger Moore understood the assignment. <laughs> I agree to that. I'm not saying like there was other people who are bad. I'm saying that he's not the only one that's great. I do think that he is. He was the one I laughed at the most. 
Huh. Um, his line delivery of, you know something, Mama, you're too Jewish? That absolutely <laughs> killed me. I was laughing non-stop. I'd pause the movie just for that line delivery alone. That was fantastic. Um, but yeah, I thought Roger Moore was pretty much the best thing in this movie. I never grew up with Burt Reynolds, right? I, I don't really understand the Burt Reynolds thing. Okay. He's supposed to be like this charming sort of roguish person and all that. But I did see a lot of his movies until I was an adult. But, and by an adult, I mean like within the past six years. <laughs> so I was in my late 30s when I first... And I just don't really get it. I just don't understand what the whole big deal is with Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds is basically Bugs Bunny. Right, well, I can't stand Bugs Bunny either, so... Oh, well, it's a, it's a very American yeah. aspect of humor, I think. Yeah, I'm a Daffy Duck man myself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I prefer Daffy Duck to Bugs Bunny, yeah. But that's fine, that's fine. I think Daffy Duck's funnier. And um, I think, right, so if you say that, not you, right, I'm not saying you, as in pistol. I mean, if people say that uh, Bugs Bunny is like an American humor, like, he is the way Americans are supposed to be, like, uh, you know, smug and <laughs> and uh, roguish. Then I think Daffy Duck is, like, the Scottish way of things. He's just angry <laughs> and screams all the time. I think... That is basically Donald Duck as well, yes. Yeah, no, that's point. true, yeah, yeah. Both ducks are Scottish. So, so my first problem, and it's a very silly little problem, but it happens just towards the beginning. The first one happens towards the beginning of the movie, but I'm not a huge fan of cartoon sound effects in live-action movies. Yeah. So, when Burt Reynolds hits his head off the hood of the car, hood of the van or whatever, it makes a cartoon sort of boing noise. I don't like that. And it happens later on again when um, Dom De- uh, when Dean Martin touches Dom DeLuise's butt. It happens again. He gooses him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's just quite funny. <laughs> Um, it yeah, it's a funny thing to do, yeah. It's technically a song, but, you know, it's quite funny. Um, and when Roger Moore's stunt double gets ejected out of the car, that's whee! That kind of thing. It's like, yeah, I don't really like that. So that's my problem. <laughs> um, so what is your second problem? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. First, I wanna, I, I still had something to say about uh, Hal Needham being the director and that we needed a stronger director. <laughs> I will say he's the right director for this because he drove the cannonball race. Yeah, he, he actually did he, it. Oh, yeah. uh, Brock Yates appears as the organizer, and he and Brock Yates drove this exact ambulance mm-hmm. in the Cannonball Run. The, mm-hmm. And they had a doctor and all that stuff. That A lot of the stuff that's in the movie is stuff that really actually happened. Yeah. Two guys on a motorcycle, one of them dressed as a, as a bride. That stuff actually happened. So he is the right guy for this. I, I will say that about him. So, but, but my second problem is, and this is going to disturb you, uh, I... I love Roger Moore. Mm-hmm. He's he's my Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel all of Roger Moore's bits are flat. He's doing exactly what it was asked of him. But I and and the bits, I know. I think they had potential. Certainly, the first scene with his mother would would have had me cracking up the first time I saw it. But just kind of everything, all the other stuff is just very flat for me. Right. Well. I get that, because all the stuff of the women in the car is quite sort of dull. It's a, it's one joke. Yeah, no, you it know, is. He's, yeah. But um, but also, I do think that it's really quite humorous that 
Every single time we go back to Seymour, because he's not playing Roger Moore, he's playing Seymour, who thinks he's Roger Moore. Right, yeah, um, Seymour Goldfarb Jr. Yeah, and every time we go back to Seymour, he's got a different woman in his car. Yeah. And it's <laughs> never mentioned. It's never right. touched upon. And I think that's quite clever, because I didn't notice until the third woman. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, um, that is a play on, obviously, like, Bond girls and stuff. And oh, I yeah. thought that was quite clever. Um. But the jokes kind of fall flat in those scenes. One of the women is actually dubbed by June Foray, yes. um, who was Granny in the Looney Tunes movies. And you can tell it's her. Um, and that, that gag is quite terrible when all the smoke happens in the, in the car. She did uh, Natasha in uh, Bullwinkle, yeah. and uh, she's basically doing that accent for, the, for that woman. Yeah, that is basically Natasha. But my, my thing is Roger Moore himself, rather than his bits. Um, I think Roger Moore um, has got great comedic timing, and it's it's easy to forget that he is quite a good comedic person um, when he's up against, well, he's not really up against uh, Burt Reynolds, but when he's in the same movies, people like Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise, I think that Roger Moore's kind of like the, the secret weapon of the movie, but he his, his bits aren't strong enough. The lines is given to him aren't the strongest, but I think that it could have been much better if he had better script. Oh, I completely agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I will say the film does a great job in that it has something for everyone. It, it has the Burt Reynolds style humor. Mm-hmm. It has the Roger Moore bit humor. Mm-hmm. It has some slapstick. It has Jackie Chan. It has Jamie Farr. It, it's got the sexy girls. I mean, it's, it's, it really does a great job of sort of, you know, making this a wild uh, ensemble uh, comedy mm-hmm. where everybody gets their turn to shine. I just, I, I think maybe we're even in agreement that Roger Moore uh, could have shined a little bit better with a little bit better script and jokes. Well, I think he's great, right? I think Roger Moore himself is fantastic in this movie. Yeah. He is underserved by a poor script. He isn't given anyone to work off of because he's working with different people throughout the movie because he's working with these different women and it seems so he has to stick to the script. Whereas Burt Reynolds and Don DeLuise would have just been ad-libbing constantly, improvising constantly throughout the entire movie. Roger Moore right. is given that chance. Yes. If he was getting to work with another actor throughout the entire thing, uh, maybe someone who was a comedian. Because Jackie Chan, um, Jackie Chan's partner in the car is uh, a comedian. Yeah. He's a Chinese comedian. So um, he's obviously got those comedic chops, as does Jackie Chan. Um so it's better if Roger Moore had someone to work off of rather than have the gag, which I do like the gag of the different women every time we see him and it's never mentioned, it's never touched upon. I think that's funny. But he's just not given enough to work with. Yeah, he's not even in the second movie. I think that the that Eon, uh, the, the, the Broccoli's, um, came down on him and um, made him sign an extra contract that said that he wouldn't do stuff like that. They even, in this film, obviously, they, they almost got sued because of uh, how close they came to the James Bond character. And the music. Yeah, and the, the music even, yeah. There's a, there's one point where they dub, he he does a dub where he changes the spy who loved me to <laughs> the fly who bugged me mm-hmm. in, in order to, you know, distance themselves a little bit more from uh, that property. So it doesn't surprise me at all yeah, that he, he would not be in the next one. Yeah, I mean, he could have done something else. He could have just been like Seymour. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, yeah, he could have been in therapy. 
Seymour's decided not to be Roger Moore anymore, but he's stuck looking like Roger Moore. <laughs> <laughs> My second problem, and we're going to get kind of serious here now, Pistol. Okay. Because I really don't know where to begin when it comes uh, comes to the women in this movie. Beauty is kidnapped. She's drugged. She's like almost assaulted. All Adrian Barbeau and Tara Buckman do is show their cleavage to get out of trouble. And then they have to get rescued later on during the fight by a man because they were going to get they were going to get assaulted. That's quite sort of horrible. Um, <laughs> every other woman sort of just like swarm around the men. Uh, the, then there's a girl at the fast food place who has big breasts yeah. and is just there just for Jamie Farr just to want to join his harem. Yeah. Yeah, and the, Jackie Chan's watching an, an adult movie in his car. And that—that that, <laughs> that is an actual adult movie. Uh, behind the green door. He's—he's watching behind the green door. And actually, it's not—they didn't make this up for this movie. They're actually it's nothing really to do with my thing. I just wanted to say that. Um, but yeah, I don't. I think women are underserved in this movie as well. And I think sometimes the, the movie can be a little bit sort of misogynistic. But. It is the early 80s, so we kind of have to sort of remember that. I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go so far as to say misogynistic, um, it, because it does, I mean, Adrian Barbeau does win the race. Yeah, but uh, what happens uh, after that? She disappears she, from the she, movie, nothing happens. She puts the thing in, everybody's cheering. You don't really see right. them. No one comes and talks to them. Nothing happens. It doesn't matter that they win the race. They aren't presented as um, the main, like, uh, conflict, or that were the main villains against uh, Burt Reynolds or anything. They're just other contestants. Yeah, they're just there. But and, after- and as you say, they have they have one joke, mm-hmm. and they, it plays out over I think four scenes where it's cop, 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 and then female cop, yeah. and it's like, oh, we're not going to get out of this one. And then nothing, as far as we can tell, they, it's not like they get arrested. No, nothing nothing ha- seems to happen. <laughs> that's, to them. that's just to have another woman show her cleavage, though. That's all that is. Because the female cop's just there, and she's got big breasts. And she's sort of popping out of her pot. And it's like, that's the joke. It's like, yes. it's, a, it's a woman. Uh-oh, they're not going to win. But hey, look, she's got big boobs. Let's look at them as well. And it's like, calm That's Valerie Perrine, <laughs> who was in uh, Superman. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, I thought I recognised that. And then during the fight, they, they almost get assaulted. Then none of the women do anything during the fight. It's all the men. It is very late 70s, early 80s attitude towards women. It could have been a lot better. Yeah, you're right. They could have had more agency and more um, yeah. um, action yeah. for themselves. There's no reason why they one of them couldn't have beaten up some men. I mean, exactly. that would have been a, a great joke in itself. Because remember, the, the whole point of the podcast is to to look at these movies by today's standards, right? Right. If this movie was made today, uh, they would be an uproar because of the way. If it was made exactly the same way, people would be like, wait a minute, why aren't the women doing anything? Right, yeah. But yeah, they win but nothing comes of it. it. It makes no difference who wins in this movie at all. Oh, true? Yeah. Jackie Chan could have won. It would have been funny if Jackie Chan won, because they were last. So if uh, if Bart was doing his whole entire sort of jumping on everyone and you can see the stunt double, then Jackie <laughs> could have just ran down and won. That would have been quite funny. I don't like the way that the women are portrayed in this. What's your third problem? My third problem is uh, I did not like the the Captain USA uh, button the the, the punchline to that uh, Captain Chaos yeah. joke 
of where he pops up and he says, I always wanted to be Captain USA. Like that was not at, not remotely funny to me. Mm-hmm. And it's the, it's the last major gag of the film. The first major gags of the movie, apart from the opening credits, are terribly unfunny as well. When Dom DeLuise is going on about his hamsters and stuff, that's okay. not funny. Um, I didn't, I didn't find myself laughing at yeah. that, but pretty quickly in that montage where they're in the different vehicles and like when he lands the plane on the street to get beer, that's, that had me rolling pretty quickly. Yeah, but I kind of have a problem with that, but we'll get, not the plane bit, I love the plane bit, but I do have a problem with that, we'll get that. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm just saying that that, that bit, that, the opening gag, the opening joke, they're having a conversation about the hamsters isn't funny. So then the last gag isn't funny. It sort of opens with a damp script and then ends with one as well. And it's like, yeah. But then, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are funny moments in this movie. Like I said, that line reading by Roger Rohr had me laughing. <laughs> and there's just a few gags here and there that I was just, that I did laugh at, or at least smile at. Um, so I'm not a humorless person <laughs> i did find some of it amusing uh mel tillis and um terry bradshaw in the in the one car uh consistently had me laughing pretty good especially their their opening where they uh, crash into the pool mm. and the both of them are like yeah this is a good place to hide this and then uh later on they've got the car out of the pool and mel they're trying to get it started and it won't it, w- it won't run and mel tillis says uh uh you know, uh, uh, you know, hiding it in the pool uh, seemed like a good idea, but it ain't running worth shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, then, he, then he takes a beat and he says, and it's wet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his, his delivery was great. Yeah. Uh, that absolutely cracked me up. For those uh, who, who are too young to know who Mel Tillis is, he was a, a country music star. And when he sang, he didn't have the stutter. Mm-hmm. But in real life, for real, he had a, a terrible stutter. All right. So that was genuine. Oh, yeah. Well, I'd never heard of him, so I didn't know. But I do think that a lot of them are very underserved when it comes to... You don't see a lot of them during actual race. Yeah, that's true. You don't see a lot of uh, the ones in the motorbike throughout the race. They all just all sort of get together around about the fight. And you see them more. And then when they're racing to the finishing line. But throughout the actual race, there's like at least three of them. You don't really see that much of. Three pairs, you don't really see that much of. So maybe you know, tack on an extra five minutes or something and then give them more to do. Um, Bert Convy has one single joke the whole time, and it's kind of silly, but yeah. Who's, which? On the motorcycle. Right, is that, yeah, the one that sits in the back? It, no, Bert Convy is the one who's driving. driving. Right. He's, the, he's the driver. Well, the one yeah. joke that the guy who sits at the back is that he's fat. That's that's his one joke. And he's so right, fat yeah. that he, that the, the motorbike is constantly doing a wheelie. Is he sitting at the back? That's that. Except, yeah. yeah. Except he's not very fat. Really. No, he's not at all. <laughs> he's just slightly overweight. Yeah. He's, he's, he's probably like me. Um, he's not, you know, he's not, he's just slightly overweight. He's not. Exactly. Fat. He's like me. Yes. He's slightly overweight. Exactly. 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 Slightly overweight. <laughs> Could do with a little bit more sort of salad and a diet. Right. Exactly. Right. So. I've got my third problem, and you liked the bit where they were doing the whole sort of, at the beginning, where they were in a car, then they were on a boat, and all of that, right? Yeah, I like that, yeah. I have slight problem with the structure at the beginning of this movie. It's a little loose. Yeah, because we, we meet Bart and Dom, and then we cut to Sammy Davis Jr. 
and he's talking to the bookie. Uh, Jimmy the Greek, yeah, yes. Yeah, and he's actually credited as that, isn't he? The Greek, he's credited as that now. So it's, he must be a real person. Then. He, yeah, he was a sports commentator. All right, yeah. cool. Um, so I'm Scottish. I know nothing. That's yeah. He, he was a lot of football. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Sammy Davis Jr.'s first scene ends with, "Do you want to talk or do you want to bet?" Then we jump back to Dom and Bart, but Dom is now Captain Chaos for some reason, and we'll get to that in a minute. Then we jump yeah. back to Sammy, and his, the very first thing he says is, do you want to talk or do you want to bet? I think he shot his scene probably a couple of times, because he does say the line differently, so I think they used a different take for the second time. But they shot that scene and then split it down the middle, right? And then inserted mm-hmm. the Captain Chaos bit in between that. But I think it's kind of jarring. Because he says the same thing twice. But my main problem is we get introduced to Captain Chaos far too soon. And I think that that scene with him coming out of the car to the, to, to the cop was maybe put in later. Or maybe it was like shot for a different part of the movie or something. And then they, I don't know. It just seems a bit weird that he turns up there. Because after he turns up, they constantly refer to Captain Chaos as like him. And it's a like mysterious. We've already seen Captain Chaos. Yep. So the structure there at the beginning is a bit sort of yeah loose, like you say. It's a bit weird. And it just doesn't really mesh together properly. Yeah, I agree that we, I don't think that we need Captain Chaos in the no. beginning. Um, it and it actually would play better if it's like the shark in Jaws. We don't really we we keep getting references to it, but we don't actually see it. Um, until all of a sudden it happens, and then we go. I, like this is not what I expected when you're when, when we were talking about him yeah. and 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 all of that stuff and uh, and it, that would have been uh, yeah that little extra bit funnier yeah yeah I think so I think it would have been funnier if they left him to later on um, I can't remember when the next time as he comes out he comes out in the fight yeah and then they're driving away and he's already taken off the mask and they say we need Captain Chaos again drive like Captain Chaos <laughs> and and then somehow for some reason he puts the mask back on he's Captain Chaos yeah again, it just so suddenly he's... appears. Yeah. Until the end. It's sort of skirt over mental illness in this movie a little bit. Because he, he clearly has issues. Victor clearly has... Well, yeah, Roger, Roger Moore is yeah, also exactly. crazy. Yes. He, is. He, he does <laughs> also have, like, he thinks he's someone else entirely, yeah. So they just kind of skirt over that a little. Um, but, yeah, the whole Captain Chaos thing just doesn't really make much sense to me. Oh, I I no, I love the Captain Chaos stuff overall. That that it's a highlight to the film. Really, Dom DeLuise's character is always this sort of shrinking, timid yeah. sort of man, and uh, he's always sort of he's really good friends with Burt yeah. Reynolds, and they were always playing off that fact that Burt was this sort of macho guy, and Dom was this overweight, uh, timid yeah. guy. So bringing having him become uh, Captain Chaos and beat people up, to, if you if you have that as your background is very funny. No, I like that. I do like the whole that he gets the kick-ass bit, right? That's great. But it's just the way that they just... It's just the way they introduce him, and they could have done it better, is what I think. And um, maybe... I can't remember when he comes back. Like, see the conversation where they're having about him getting beaten up when he was a kid, and that's when Captain Chaos first showed up and beat all Oh, yeah, yeah. When was that? Was that after the fight or before the fight? That was before the fight, wasn't it? I think it was in between the fight and the and the final drive. I used, no, I don't think so. Because the final drive pretty much straight after the. 
Because I think it makes more sense if he said, well, I don't know. I can't remember. Well, well, I mean, he's talking to to Pamela, Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, yeah. So I think she would have seen him ca- ca- as Captain Chaos before, She had. Well, right? I don't know if she has, though. Oh, maybe not. Because okay. I think she's, she talks about, throughout the entire movie, he's saying him, 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 right? Right. And she talks about Captain Chaos like she's met him, but I don't think she has at that point. Because then, then it makes more sense if he says, right, well, Captain Chaos shows up and then he's beating up all these people. You know, he he turned up mm-hmm. and saved me from all these people. And then it shows you that it's actually him who's done it. So that's why you should cut out Captain Chaos from the beginning of the movie. But she actually says to him, like, where does Captain... Captain Chaos is inside you, and he says, "No, he's out saving people." Yeah. When when he's not here with yeah. me, he's uh, he's out saving people. So she already knows who Captain yeah, Chaos is. I, I don't remember she, exactly. I don't think she's seen him though. I think that's just a, a sort of like a plot discrepancy. I'm pretty sure it's certainly before the fight. And I, I, maybe maybe he does he appear before the fight? Is the fight not the second time he appears? Maybe well, that's he's the right time he the movie he appears, but she hasn't met him yet. Right. Um, trying to remember. I just watched it two nights ago, Pesto. I just watched it again tonight. I watched it twice today. Because I watched, I watched the, uh, I watched it again with the commentary track. Oh, is that a commentary track? Right. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah, that's Hal Needham and the uh, director um, uh, slapping each other on the back over and over again. Al Ruddy um, about how they did such a great job and what a what a great shoot it was and. It's maybe, and they, and they repeatedly say we could release this movie today, and it would be super popular. I'm like, ah, ah I think you're dreaming, sort of, boys. Yeah, kind of tweak it a little. <laughs> um, yeah, I never got a chance to listen to commentary because I don't think it's available over years. Okay, I, I just I just found a, a video on YouTube that says uh, Captain Chaos scenes from Cannibal yeah. Run, and they have that conversation. Uh, he has the conversation with uh, Pamela <clears throat> in the car while they're driving. Before the fight, mm-hmm. so it's before she's ever seen Captain Chaos. Yeah, I thought so. So he, so Captain Chaos only appears three times in the film. Yeah. At the beginning, at the fight, and at the final drive. I also have a problem with Burt Reynolds constantly hitting uh, Dom DeLuise. That was almost one of my problems. Yes, it, it, that that bothered me even when I was a kid. Yeah. It only happens a couple of times, but it's in the credits. And the bloopers, it happens quite a lot. Or the the bloopers, rather. Where um and they they talk about it in the in the in the uh, commentary track that that was four o'clock in the morning and Dom DeLuise was very giggly, so uh, uh, Bert was trying to get him to straighten up so they could finish the damn shoot for the night mm. and uh, uh yeah and he, he like tweaks his mustache and and uh, it, clearly Dom is afraid that he's going to get yeah physically slapped again. Because it's happened before. <laughs> oh yeah. The fact that he knows that Bert Reynolds is going to hit him. That's kind of shit, man. That's not very, you know. <laughs> it, it demonstrates that it's not something that was just written in the, for the movie. It was something that Burt Reynolds would do to Dom DeLuise yeah. for real. Like, just give him a slap. I mean, it's not a a, 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 a bad slap. Well, but it's like, that's still physical. Well, he, he's violence. doing it with his fingers. It's not really the palm of his hand. He hits him with his fingers. See if you do that at the right sort of velocity. That can, that can sting more than an actual slap. Because the fingers are long, and if you hit someone at the right, like, whip, do you know what I mean? It's like whipping someone with your fingers. That can hurt more <laughs> than hit someone, slap someone with the palm of your hand. So I think he's, I think Burt Reynolds is just a bit of a cock. The movie's a bit of a mess. It's not a well-directed movie. 
it could be a funny movie at times, don't get me wrong. And there's some great actors in this movie. Some of them not acting great, but there are some great actors in this movie. But yeah, it's just a bit of a mess structurally and sort of editing wise. And yep. But I mean, if you have fun with it, that is brilliant. But I hadn't seen it in three decades. So watching it now with my sort of critics hat on, I'm just kind of like, I'm not really into it like that much. And there are some bits that make me laugh. Despite the fact that I'm not a huge fan of this movie, I did want to watch more. <laughs> I was like, I do like these kind of movies. I do like this kind of thing. You know, I like the whole kind of, they're all racing for something. Even though I love ensemble movies, yeah. yeah. Even though whoever wins doesn't fucking matter, but does it ever? In a movie? I liked, I liked Rat Race. Hmm. Rat Race is not a good film. Rat Race is awful, but yeah, I kind of like it a little bit. Because um, <laughs> the cast is great in that movie. I saw that in the cinema, actually, Rat Race. So what is your positive, your one pick, one positive? My one and only yeah. positive uh, for this film is that Farrah Fawcett is fantastic. Jackie Lim is hilarious. The appearance of Captain Chaos is brilliant. Jackie Chan is brilliant. Once he gets a chance, Martin and Davis are brilliant. The outtakes are brilliant. Yeah, the outtakes are brilliant. I think they're yeah. The thinks it's just the, them hitting. Just it's either Dean Martin hitting Sammy Davis Jr. or uh, Burt Reynolds smacking Dom DeLuise. That's all the outtakes is. Everyone round about them are laughing their fucking heads off at this violence towards these people. It was, I believe, it was the first time that the outtakes were put at the end of a film. I, I think. Yeah. And this, it's something that Jackie Chan used in most of his films, yeah. and it became a it became a staple of this kind of thing. And I think the idea is brilliant. Now, I, I agree. Yeah, the things that actually... The problem with outtakes in general is that seeing actors break up isn't really very funny no. in itself. Um, so, But I, I, I loved the idea of it and the fact that it showed you behind the scenes while you're still watching the movie. Yeah. You're still yeah, seeing yeah. some behind the scenes stuff. No, I've got nothing against blippers in general. I do like that this was actually produced by Golden Harvest, and Golden Harvest is a, a Chinese company, and they did a lot of Jackie Chan movies, so that's how, I can't remember who the company was, oh, Fox. Fox did this one, Warner Brothers did the second one. Fox made this, and the reason they got Jackie Chan is because Golden Harvest said, well, we want to co-produce it as well, and that's when you can get Jackie Chan if we also, you know, make money off this thing. Yeah, one of the producers was Raymond Chow. He was a producer on uh, a lot of Bruce Lee movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's good that Jackie Chan actually took the outtakes from that. All his outtakes are just him almost dying, though. So it's yes, also <laughs> true. Yeah, much more entertaining. <laughs> the very first thing you see in this movie is Fox logo with an animated car getting chased by an animated police car. Right yeah, I love that. Yeah. They did that because they had used it in Smoking the Bandit 2, um, where they drove around the Universal logo. Mm-hmm. And um, it actually works better in this film. Yeah. And uh, it's one of those, it was in, I don't, I, I, it must have been done earlier, but it's one of the earlier examples of messing around with the um, studio uh, logo, as, uh, which is something that that has since become kind of a staple of certain a certain kind of movie yeah. like science fiction movies often mess around with yeah them. it's quite it was quite rare back then but yeah uh so but reynolds movies started to trend i think but when it's done right that sort of thing can be really good and i like that sort of messing with it it sort of hints at what kind of thing you're going to yeah. get into kind of like the pink panther cartoon at the beginning of the pink panther i think my favorite one and it's not a very creative one 
But my favourite one of those is from the Simpsons movie, where it's just Ralph Wiggum coming out of the, the Zero and the 20th Century Fox logo and just singing along with the music. I just think <laughs> that's great, because Ralph Wiggum rocks, and I just think that, you know, to have Ralph Wiggum be the one do that, rather than one of the actual Simpsons characters, I just thought that that was really quite cute. Uh, but there's a lot of really good creative ones out there. I can't think of any, but there is a lot. Uh, oh, Waterworld. The Universal logo Waterworld. Oh, the land disappears, all the water just sort of, no. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. clever. That's yeah. I think the the Matrix maybe does something funky with the it's logo. Screen. Yeah, the, the logo yeah. turns green and sort of like, uh, what do you call it, computer language or whatever. Yeah, the coding. That's it. Thank you very much. Um, right, so my positive is the stunts. Yes. I'm a massive fan of movie stunts. and I've always been a massive fan of movie stunts. And I think I, I vaguely remember this is the reason why I watched this movie as much as I did as a kid. Because I must have seen this movie every time it was on TV, I would have watched it. We didn't really have a, v- a VCR until later on, so I would have to just wait until things were on TV again. That's why I watched the second movie and the Smoking the Bandit movie, because I just think the stunt work in this movie is amazing. And it's not just car stuff, it's boat stuff. It's <laughs> the plane stunt is amazing. Um, there's people falling off the back of ambulances. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, it's just so... Oh, and all the fight stuff. You know, uh, I agree, except that there's some weird fake stuff at the beginning. Yeah. Um, in that montage where uh, uh, Dom and Bert are in different vehicles, mm-hmm. they crash a Porsche, and we sort of see that, but we don't see it actually... Um, uh, we saw that we see the fenders get torn off, but we don't see it actually crash. And then Bert doesn't even sell. Like when we cut to Bert, he's, he doesn't even move. He's just like sitting there. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's like, that's not very realistic. That's why I think and that then, scene is actually supposed to be that scene. I, oh. I think like the interior stuff of Bert is from a different scene. I think they just sort of cobbled that together just to put Captain Chaos in earlier. Oh, well, that's possible. That might have been something later on. And they just sort of rejiggered it just to put him in earlier. Because it makes no sense. Well, we don't we don't see the boat crash either, and we they end up in a in an ambulance as a result of the boat crash. But we don't see the boat actually crash. There's no stunt there. No, I know, but that's um you hear it, but that's probably more of a sort of a budget thing than anything else. Well, that's probably the case. Maybe yeah, they but... couldn't afford to put like a speedboat crashing into like a a, a a bigger boat and having all these stunt performers jumping off the boat and stuff. Maybe they couldn't afford to do that that day. Maybe they were on a bit of a budget, and maybe they were on sort of like a low time scale because Dom DeLuise just kept fucking laughing all the time. <laughs> Probably so. So, yeah. It is. It was a cheap movie. Yeah, they paid uh, uh, Burt Reynolds $5 million for four weeks of shooting. Yeah. And they still came in with like an $18 million budget. So this huge, incredible cast worked for peanuts. Yeah. But the there's, the big stunt is, I don't know if you saw my tweet last night, at the end, they're all sort of running towards the, the finish line. And to sabotage everyone else and to get Captain Chaos to run to the finish line, Buck Reynolds decides to jump on the rest of the... the the racers, he just sort of dive yeah. bombs them and knocks them all down. And it's actually Bart who does that stunt, because Bart did do, he was allowed to do some stunts back then, so he actually did that stunt, 
But all the all the people that he hits are all stunt doubles. I took a screenshot of it, and uh, the the stunt man for Dean Martin looks nothing like Dean Martin. He's like this balding guy with like a stubble. <laughs> and then you've got um, Roger Moore stunt double has really big sort of afro like curly hair, <laughs> and it's very distracting. And I took a screenshot of that, posted it on. Um, it's a fraction of a second, man. No, I know, but I noticed it. I noticed it, but it happened. No, actually, it's not a fraction of a second, man. <laughs> they show it from different angles, and you see it three times. So you actually see the stunt people for, like, three fractions of a second, because it's from different angles. So it's very noticeable, because I noticed it. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. Uh, but yeah, it was actually Burt Reynolds who did that. The only th- I only noticed stuff like that, like in Terminator 2, when they, they do the motorcycle jump and there's a stuntman on the motorcycle wearing an Arnold Schwarzenegger mask yeah. and it looks terrible and it's in slow motion. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, True Lies is pretty bad for that as well, though. Yeah. We did an episode of True Lies and uh, the scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger is on the horse, you can see, like, when you see the guy on the bike that he's chasing and then. It's sort of like a rat zoom to Arnold following him, but it's clearly a stunt double. There's there's almost like close-ups of stunt doubles in that movie. It is ridiculous that that got passed. Uh, but yeah, and his stunt, stunt double looks a bit like Judge Reinhold. So that's <laughs> actually really quite funny to me. Let me ask you if you notice this also. There's a little bit of product placement in this film. Is there? <laughs> yeah, there's Budweiser everywhere. Yeah. There's uh, uh, Ruffles potato chips. Dom DeLuise is carrying sacks of groceries, and he's got Ruffles potato he, chips he also out of it. Sang he, he's Dom singing the Pepper. Dr. Pepper song. <laughs> <laughs> I found that weirdly charming. Yeah, and that was all in the one go as well. So when he runs out the store, and he's got all this stuff, um, because the, the Budweiser cans are sort of prominent at the front, and you can see them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mel Tillis at one point offers a guy a beer at the at the roadblock. <laughs> like, you want a beer? It's like he's holding the Budweiser beer, and it's like, wow, they they wanted that as product placement? A drunk Mel Tillis offering a guy a beer in a car? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, drunk driving rules were kind of lax back then, weren't they? Uh, they were, yeah, true. That's yeah. True. Well, now, 81, it was pretty starting to get pretty uh, tight. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was during the 80s it started to get tighter a bit in the UK as well, so. Um, yeah, so just some notes before we go, and it's just basically, I've written down brownface is also a thing in this movie, uh, but we'll just sort of get over that, we'll forget about that. Oh, uh, the Jamie Farr thing, yeah. Yeah, not just face. Jamie. Okay. That's a good yeah, point. Not just Jamie Farr, but like there's a couple of other people at the beginning with Jamie Farr that are... Oh, right. Yeah, it's the producer of the film, yeah, yeah. actually, as a, he's on a camel with another guy. Yeah. Burt Reynolds breaks the fourth wall briefly in this, and I'm not a huge fan of that, but it's done sort of subtly in this, so it doesn't bother me, it wasn't my problems. Chocolate Monk is said in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that's all right, that's fine. Um, that, that was almost certainly an ad lib, too. Absolutely, was, yeah. But yeah, that, that's all my notes. I The only other thing I think I have is the introduction of all the characters are mostly good, uh, which is a hard thing to do in a, in a big ensemble cast like this. Yeah, I was getting a bit sort of like, do you want to hurry up with that? You'll fucking 
cannibal run. The the actual race does not begin until the middle of the yeah. film. But then they started. But then the introductions were sort of they were good. Um, the Jackie Chan one wasn't like the best, but um, yeah, he did. He was underserved altogether. He and uh, his his yeah, partner yeah. there, uh, Mister uh, what's his name, Hugh Michael Hugh. Yeah. Um, but then Jackie Chan does kick, kick ass, so that's that's good. Yeah, and that was a revelation. I mean, that's the thing that I think that's the thing that made Jackie Chan, you know, it brought Jackie Chan to the American audience, uh-huh. and so he he could then have a career in America. I mean, so it was a it was a, a you know a great thing to happen. Yeah, well, he didn't really his career in America didn't really happen to the night after this. All of his movies were in China, and then he went to Australia and did a few in Australia, but it wasn't really until the Rush Hour movies and stuff like that is when he really became a thing here, hey, there. <laughs> that, well, uh, yes, except that we were watching movies like Super Cop. No, I know, I know, I know. But what I mean is, he didn't really, he didn't become like, he, he wasn't in Hollywood movies until. Right. right. But, he, but people were still watching him. Everyone knew who Jackie yeah, Chan was. Like, yeah. Right, yeah, Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights. Yeah, and... yeah. That was all later on in his career, um, but it, but it's good that this movie did sort of let people know who he was, and him fighting, uh, his, his fighting scene was like, oh, you could fight that. I, I like watching that. And then when his movies get released uh, overseas, then people would actually watch them. And then I think it was more of a like, well, why doesn't he do movies in America? Uh, so then eventually he did. So. But yeah, he did a lot. Of movies, <clears throat> he's, he's in Cannonball Run too. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the, a lot of his like, American movies after that didn't really happen until later on. But he made obviously made a name for himself worldwide by doing movies in China, which is a very different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even Operation Condor, which is in '91, <laughs> was I think that was a Chinese production. It was not an yeah, yeah, yeah. American production. Yeah. He did. But, so you're right. Yeah, it's all the way to Rumble in the Bronx. Maybe was his first American movie. Maybe. Uh, uh, that shot, I mean, shot where he started, Canada, but um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that was sort of run about the time when he became more. But I'm like Mr. Nice Guy, and uh, I can't remember the other one, but there was something which he shot in Australia, and it's they're full of like Australian actors. Uh, Operation, uh, uh, oh, not uh, what? No, um, Operation Condor, I think. So if you look for Mr. Nice or Project A, I, no, I don't think so. I think it's, you nah, look for like Mister okay, Nice Guy, and round about that time period is when he was making movies in Australia. Yeah, Rush Hour was ninety eight. Yeah, the way. yeah, yeah. It was seventeen years before he. You're right. It it, it took him a while to get. Yeah. <laughs> big in America, but he was still famous worldwide, and I think that is amazing. I think that is oh, testament yeah. to just his star power, just how good he is, and how likable right. he was. Um. Well, the 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 Bruce Lee stuff was uh, shot overseas. It was hmm? those were overseas productions, yeah. and. You know, it took him a long time to. I, he, I don't. I don't think. Well, did Bruce Lee really make uh, Enter the Dragon? Was that an American production? Enter the Dragon exactly, was, yeah. But, so he was. He was a an Asian actor who was uh-huh. famous in Asian movies. Jackie Chan's um, in America. Jackie Chan's actually in the Dragon. Third No, seriously, hey, I didn't realize he gets that. he gets his ass kicked by <laughs> Bruce Lee in that movie. So that is all we have time for. I have to say that next week um, Jen is back, and she's actually told me which movie she is back, and I have to look up the date, the year. It's behind the green door. Yeah, 
we're doing behind the green door, starring her from the um, what was it? It was adverts. There was a big controversy about that movie because the main actress in it was she did adverts or something, and she was kind of like um this young sort of innocent actress, and then she did porn. Marilyn Chambers, That's yes, it. yeah, yeah, but um, it was like soap suds or something, some kind of. It's some sort of soap, I agree, yeah, some sort yeah, of yeah. soap uh, uh, advertisement. Something. Porn back then is completely different, because porn was kind of fancier back then. And <laughs> That's true, yes, that is true. Walk into an actual theatre and watch porn, uh, because stuff like that, Deep Throat and all that, would actually be released as movies, and it's very weird <laughs> to me to think that. But anyway, the movie that we're covering next um, is Mad Love. From 1985, starring Drew Barrymore and uh, Crystal Dunn. Uh, oh, so not the 1935 film starring Peter Lorre? Rats. No, I know. Darn it. Um, I think <laughs> I would actually prefer that one. Um, but anyway, that's what we're doing next. Directed by Antonio Burr. I'd like to thank Pistol for joining me for these two episodes. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, excellent. No problem at all. It's any time. If Jen wants time off, I'm wrangling you. Because Thank you. I tried to talk Martin into it and he wasn't for it. So <laughs> I'm happy to be a third choice. No, no, you were you were absolutely <laughs> the first choice. I asked you first, but then I asked Martin because I was going to do one with you and then one with Martin. But then I thought, well it's better if we do two with you because then I can pick one, you can pick one, and that keeps the flow of the show going, you know. Um so anyway. Uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, it's at DropThePilotPod. At ShiftyB, S-H-I-F-T-Y-B-E-A is my personal Twitter. ShiftyBestClub.uk is the website. Contact ShiftyBestClub.uk is the email address. Uh, where can people follow you online, Tisto? Oh, they can find me at Tisto Zarban on Twitter, T-Y-S-T-O Zarban. And uh, Tisto.com, T-Y-S-T-O. I, 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 post, I still post all kinds of stuff, even though I don't really do commentaries much anymore. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Speak to you all next time. Bye. Bye.